And this morning, uh, we're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 3. We're in the 10th the tenth miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's only taken us seven months uh, to get to the 10th miracle, so I guess we're doing pretty good. And, um, and, uh, but anyhow, I'm not in any rush. I'm just going to try. And then there's times the Lord changes what he wants me to preach, and so I just do, try to do what he says. But this message this morning has been a help to me this week as I've studied it and thought about it and meditated upon it, and I hope it'll be a help to you. And I'm going to say it again. I've said it before, but everything Jesus has done, he can still do. Amen. 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 I believe that we still have a Savior that's able uh, to do great and mighty things. And uh, as the children of God, we don't need to grow weary in well-doing because we need to realize that Jesus is the Lord of the harvest and that he will give an increase even in times like we're living in now. And, uh, and, you know, I believe that we were all born for such a time as this. Yes. If God had wanted me to preach during the days of great revival, even though as much as I wished I could preach in those days, if God wanted me to preach during those times, he would allow me to be born in those times. Right. But we're all here for such a time as this. And so today, let's look in Mark chapter 3 and verse 1. And I want to ask if you're able and willing, please stand um, out of respect to the Word of God and reverence to the Word of God. The Bible says in Mark chapter 3 and verse number 1, And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Father God, I pray you would help me now. Lord, I'm no more able or capable today to stand and preach without your help than I was the very first time I preached. And God, I pray you'd help me. I pray you'd give me the words to say. Lord, we're living in such a wicked world, and God, we need help, and we need to hear from you today. And I pray that you'd use this event in the life of Christ and the miracle that took place here in the synagogue on the Sabbath day to, Lord, give us hope and know that you still can today do what you did back then. And I pray for that one that's here today, Lord, that they're uh, lost and they're on their way to hell. I pray for a moment, God, you'd seize their attention. And I pray, oh God, you'd show them, Lord, that they need Jesus more than they need anything else. And give them the grace and the faith they need to turn from their sins and turn unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, whatever happens and whatever comes from this, I'll be careful to give the honor and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. The story we read or the event we just read about, if you want to read it in your own time and compare, it's found in all three of the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in Matthew, it's in chapter 12 and verse 9. Uh, through verse 14, and then in Mark, it's in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and then in Luke, it's in chapter 6, verse 6 through 11. And uh, as I've studied these, 
uh, this story, this event, it's, it's amazing to me that uh, it's, there's very little, they're all very, very similar in what they say about what happened on this day. And uh, I want to say this, Jesus never ran from a problem. Right. Amen. Right. But Jesus always went to where the problems were. And in his time, the majority of the problems were in the synagogue. And, 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 and if you were to be alive in that day and time, you probably would have thought, man, he needs to be over here in this ghetto or over here uh, in this slum. But the place where he did, uh, where he went often was the synagogue because that's where the most messed up people were in the world in that day. I want to say this morning, that I'm glad you're here and I'm not trying to be ugly. But some of the most messed up people in the world are in church. Amen. I want to say I'm messed up. We're all messed up. Amen. We've all got something wrong with us this morning. We've all got a, a need in our life. And this man, the Bible says in verse 1 that there was a man there which had a withered hand. The man with a withered hand. There was a man there that had a problem that had hindered him and had halted him in his life. And Jesus come this day to touch and to heal this man. Amen. Jesus never ran from a problem, but he always ran to it. And I want to say this morning, we don't need to run from the problems of our world. The church is not called to hide, right. take shelter, take cover. That's not why we're here. We don't need to stock up and lock the doors and dim the lights and talk quietly so nobody knows we're here. Listen, that's not the answer. We're not called to go back. We're called to go forward. We're not called to hide. We're called, Jesus said, to stand upon the rooftops and declare the truth. And if there's ever been a time where we need to not run from problems but run to them, it's right now. One man said it like this. He said, there's never been a time where the world had more questions and the church had fewer answers than today. Amen. You know what we've done in, uh, in the last so, so many, however long you want to put it, we've, we've just tried to pretend the problem wasn't there and thought it would just go away. But can you see it's not going away? It's growing and it's growing and it's growing. The man with the withered hand. And this morning I want you to look at this man and I want to consider this man. This man, I believe, could be a picture of the saint and the sinner. Now, follow me. Now, if you read in Mark and Luke, it said that his hand was withered. And if you read it and the way it was written, it implies or it makes you think that this man was born with that withered hand. That word wither, it means to dry up. It means to wither. It means to, it means to be paralyzed, to be without feeling. To, 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 it was a crippled hand. You understand? That hand was of no use to him. It, it, was, it, it was just there. It could not help him in any way. Uh, but this man, I believe, could be a picture of the sinner. You see, a sinner is born a sinner. Right. Amen. You don't teach your children to sin. They, learn, they know it. They come back naturally. Right. I never have, and listen, you've got to be a twisted individual to try to teach your children to sin. You've got to be, uh, you understand, that's, 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 I mean, look, you ain't got to teach them nothing. They're going to learn just fine on their own. And when you read it where it says his hand was withered, it makes you think that he was born this way. Now, in the book, of the Gospel of Mark, it says it was his right hand. Now, listen, the right hand, the right hand speaks of strength. It speaks of authority. 
It speaks of favor. It speaks of fellowship. We talk about the right hand of fellowship. And listen, the right hand speaks of, of, of the ability of a man to work and to take care of himself and his own. This man, his hand was withered and his right hand was withered. And that is a picture of the sinner. The sinner who cannot fellowship with God. And the sinner who has no favor from God. And the sinner who has no future with God. His hand was withered. You see, this man had a lot right with him, didn't he? I mean, his left hand was fine. His right foot was fine. His left foot was fine. His head was fine. Everything was right. But there was this one thing that was messed up in his life. And I thought about in Jesus when he told that rich young ruler, in Matthew, he says, one thing thou lackest. One thing thou lackest. There's many a person today that they're lost and they've got everything good in their life. I mean, for the most part. They're nice people. They're moral people. They're religious people. Uh, they, go, they may even go to church. They may be here this morning. You've got a decent job and a family and a home and all these things going for you. But listen, you've got that hand hid behind your coat today. Right. And that hand, listen, as long as that hand's with her. Uh, listen, that man, every day he woke up and was reminded of his, his, of his crippled condition and was haunted by that. And listen this morning, if you're lost, you need to understand the hand that's withered needs to be brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you read in Matthew chapter 12, it said that he had his hand withered. And to me, that tells me that that could be a picture of the saint of God, the saved person. When the Bible says he had his hand withered, to me that, that sounds as if somebody had injured him. Or maybe it was an accident at work or uh, perhaps he was on the, in a, building a house or out in the farm and maybe he got it caught. Have you ever known anyone that got a hand caught in a, in a, in a, in a saw or something like that? It's awful, amen. Uh, it's awful. And, and, but, but what I'm saying is not only is he a picture of the sinner that needs to be saved, but I believe he's a picture of the saint that needs to be restored. Restored. You see, a lot of people, a lot of people have been saved. And that hand that they used to lift up and worship God's withered. And that hand that they used to extend in fellowship to their brothers and sisters is withered. And that hand that they used to grip the sword and, and war and battle, you see, with a withered hand, he could not work. Amen. That right hand, he could not work. Uh, there was probably a hundred things he could not do. He could not work. He could not war. He could not grip the sword or draw back the bow because of that withered hand. Uh, he could not worship. Uh, that hand could not go up and give God praise and honor. And there's many a person that's been saved. Uh, but somebody hurt them. Uh, somebody injured them. It could have been an accident, but the hand still withered. And maybe that's you today. Maybe there was a time in your life when you worked for the Lord. Amen. 
And maybe that, and listen, if you're not, I'm going to say this. You're missing out on the greatest opportunity in your life to work for the Lord Jesus Christ. Working for Him is the greatest job you can ever have. It's got the best benefits. Amen. And it's definitely got the best retirement you'll ever have. Working for the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's some that have laid down, uh, laid down their plan. They've let go uh, because their hand's been withered. It might have been someone uh, that maybe they hurt them or injured them or attacked them, and now they don't work. They don't war. They don't war. They don't worship. Oh, this morning I pray that God would help us to learn some lessons from Mark chapter 3 from the man with a withered hand. From the man with a withered hand. And oh, there, listen to me. Maybe it's not your hand, but maybe I want, I want you to think about that in your own life. Is there anything in your life that has died, that has withered up and dried up, and, and that's no longer useful, that you're no longer able to do? Is there anything? It could be your prayer life is withered, or maybe it's your walk with God's withered, or maybe it's your spirit and your, and, 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 and your attitude's withered. There's people that at one time were happy people and joyful people, but now they're bitter, angry, mad people. And it's withered up. Look here in Mark chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And the first thing this morning about this man, I want us to notice this. That religion had failed him. Religion had failed him. And if you're going to be honest, it's failed you too. It's failed you too. Now the religion we're talking about here is man-made religion. It's religion based on the traditions and the teachings of man. It's religion based on uh, simple traditions and not truth. But I want to say this, religion has failed the United States of America. A religion, America's very religious, but do you believe America's not saved? You see this morning, this man was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He wasn't out on the lake of Galilee fishing or jet skiing or nothing like that. He wasn't up in the mountains of Gilead trying to kill a bear. No, listen, he was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, but his hand was still weathered. The synagogue had failed him. The Pharisees had failed him. The scribes had failed him. They had not been able to heal his condition. And this morning, religion cannot help you. A religious place had failed him, the synagogue. The synagogues were established during the Babylonian captivity when they were in Babylon for 70 years and they brought it back. Uh, when, the, when, when they were able to come back, they brought the tradition back and, 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 they, and, they, and they had these synagogues and, and it would be a place, I believe they had to have 70 Jews in a town uh, and 10 men, 70 Jews to have a synagogue and they would meet and it started out as a good idea but it was a man-made idea. Okay? It was a man-made, but it was a good idea. And, and you might say, Brother Mark, what's wrong? They, what'd they do? They, had, they went there and they read the Bible and they prayed. What's wrong with that? Ain't nothing wrong with that. During the week, the scribes would teach the children. What's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. But what, listen, why did it not last? 
Why did it become corrupt? Because it was a man-made tradition. Amen. Amen. And there's a lot of good ideas, but we're seeing them corrupt now. These conventions, amen, amen, the Southern Baptist Convention, it's gone. It's corrupt. It's gone. And listen, there's no coming back from it. I've got no bone to pick, and we've got people here that come from church, and I've got no axe to grind. But let's just be honest. They've got problems right now that, that listen, they are, it's gone. Why? Because it's a man-made idea. And all this other religious, man-made religious stuff, it'll fail you. The, a religious place had failed him. This man was in a religious place, but that place could not help him. Week after week he came, but his hand was still withered. This morning coming to church cannot save you. Sitting on a pew cannot save you. Saying that, listen, singing a song can't save you. There's only one in this man, a religious place that failed him. Matthew 12, 9, you know what it calls it? Their synagogue. It wasn't his. It was theirs. They had made it their own. And let me say this. I understand, and I say it, and you say it. This is our church. That's what, and I, listen, I understand what you're saying, how, but let's all be careful that it's not said that somebody comes by and says, that's their, it ain't God's, that's theirs. There's a lot of churches that's become their church. They've, they made it the way they want it to be. They don't care what the Bible says. They want to take a verse here and a verse there and a verse here and a verse there and make up their little petty, little petty false doctrines and, and, and they want to cram it down everybody's throat and they turn it into a den of thieves, a den of robbers, and God's nowhere around. A religious place had failed them. Today there's many people that are going to church looking for help, but they're not finding help. They're not getting help because there's no truth there. There's no spirit there. There's no power there. There's no Jesus there. A religious place had failed him. Verse 2, a religious people had failed him. And they watched him. You said, oh, they watched the withered man. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. They they, they couldn't care less about the withered man, withered hand man that they had failed the place. You know what they was watching? They was watching Jesus. You know, oh, but that's good. No, no. They weren't watching him for the right reasons. They were there to find fault. And these people had failed this man. These people, now Jesus had already performed miracles in, the, in that synagogue. When Jesus walked in, they should have been watching the man with the withered hand. Say, oh man, today's going to be the day. Maybe, maybe Jesus will heal him like he done that man with the unclean spirit. Maybe Jesus won't know, but instead they were watching Jesus with a critical eye, hoping they could find reason to accuse him and to charge him. They were so worried about the law, they forgot the Lord. They loved the Sabbath more than they loved souls. And they were just hoping Jesus would do something that didn't tickle their fancy and didn't please them so they could jump on him about it. And let me tell you something, religious people have hurt a lot of people. And and listen to me, if, if we come to church, their attitude was bad. Do you agree with me? Why would you go to church to try to find somebody doing something wrong? That's what, what they were doing. 
And by doing that, they hindered this man. They should have been looking at him, saying this is the day God's going to heal him. God's going to deliver him. God's going to restore him. But Drew, they couldn't care less about him because they were obsessed with having their own agenda plan out. They wanted their agenda to, 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 to you see, they loved that place. They were, they, the synagogue become a political place. And the Pharisees, that's how they got their pull. And they used it as a place of self-promotion. And God help us this morning. The church has failed. But religious people have failed many a sinner. They failed them by criticizing them. Oh, listen, instead of watching with anticipation, they were watching with aggravation. Something is wrong if someone comes in with a withered hand and it bothers us. Amen. It ought to bother us. Listen, it ought to bother us. And listen, this morning the Bible says the religious people failed him, but listen, I'm trying to hurry. Religious performance had failed him. You say, what do you mean? He was there on the Sabbath day doing what he was supposed to do, but it hadn't helped him. You see this morning, listen to me. I want to be real plain. Observing ordinances, giving offerings, singing songs, listening to preaching, going to Sunday school, raising your hand, shedding a tear, smiling, all that, joining the church, it can't help you at all. It can't deliver you. It can't save you. But religious performance had failed him. Week after week, he come to the synagogue. And week after week, he left with a withered hand. And this morning, religious works cannot deliver you. You can have your name on every church roll in Graves, uh, Graves County, Kentucky. You can take the Lord's Supper and you can give him the offering and you can be baptized and you can do all those things and still die and go straight to hell. Many people, are they, they're religiously lost. They, they know what to say and they know they're, they're, they're so, they're like robots. They know the Bible, but the Bible don't know them. Right. They, they, they have a head knowledge, but there's a disconnection between their head and their heart. The Bible says we must believe in our heart. We must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Listen, with your head, it does not help you. How do you know? How do you know if you're lost? Is your hand still withered? Has there ever been a change? Has there ever been a transformation? Listen, you, you, listen to me. You don't know how you can know you're saved. You can know you're saved. You can know you're saved. Listen, the Bible tells us you can know you're saved. How can I know I'm saved? Number one is compassion. Do you love God? Do you love the church? Do you love other Christians? The Bible says that if you don't, that, that love is of God. And if you don't love your brother, you don't know God. You don't know the love. And you don't know, do you love God's people? Do you love God's word? Do you love God's house? Is this a chore to you? Is this just a checklist to you? Are you here today because someone might accuse you of being a heathen? If you didn't come, are you here because you love being here? Compassion. Chastisement. If you're saved and you do wrong, you'll get punished for it. Hebrews 12, this is Bible. This ain't James Mark doctrine. This is Bible doctrine. 
Chastisement. Chastisement. So listen to me this morning. When you sin, is there any is there any uneasiness in your heart? I didn't say you couldn't sin, but you can't enjoy sin. You can't enjoy it for long. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but that season's short. And listen to me this morning. There's compassion and then chastisement. Is there, any, is, that, is there chastisement? Is there change? Has there been any change in your life? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, Drew, wake up. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. This man was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, but his hand was still drawn up. His hand was still withered. And maybe you've been to church, joined the church. Maybe you've come for a long time, but the hand's never been changed. Religion had failed him. Quickly in verse 3, we see that the Redeemer found him. The Bible says, And he saith unto the man which had the withered hands, Stand forth. Stand forth. Verse 1 it says, And he entered again. And he entered again. I don't know about you, but I thank God that Jesus didn't just come one time to me. But he come again and again. And again, be honest, they didn't want him there, but he came anyway. This morning, the Lord Jesus found this man. He came to the synagogue. He didn't come to the synagogue for the Pharisees and the religious crowd. He came there that day because he knew there was one that had a withered hand, a man that had been uh, perplexed and, and, and had been vexed by this, uh, this crippling issue in his head. He knew there was somebody there that needed him. And this morning I'm thankful that Jesus is still looking for people with crippled hands. He's not looking for the strong and the mighty and the, and the well able. He's looking for those who've got problems. Because you know what he can do? He can take somebody with the biggest bunch of problems you've ever seen and he can save them, he can change them and he can get more glory from their life than he can from the one that thinks they've got it all together and they've never made, I mean they've never done nothing wrong. You ever met anybody? I mean they've never messed up. Not one time have they ever messed up. Not one time. They've never wrote the wrong date on a check. I mean, they've never, I mean, they have never done the wrong. They've never turned without putting the blinker on. They've never, I mean, listen, they always yield at the yield sign. They never do a roll and stop at the stop. I mean, they're, all, they're perfect, you know. But Jesus found him. Quickly, he found him despite the cold spirit in the synagogue. Mark 1.23 says there's a synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit. You only tell you where there's more devils than any other place. The church. You don't believe me? Wait till about 11 o'clock tonight when all the lights are off in here. And I want you to come through here. And that one blessed church member that leaves that one light on over there in that corner, you know, that one, you know what I mean? That one blessing from God. And you go and you walk through here. Just listen. I mean, I'm just playing with y'all. But it is kind of creepy. I'm not saying. <laughs> just ask Ginger. Ginger, is it spooky? Ginger will not come over here without an army and lights and guns and everything else. But I'm not kidding. Do you all know where, listen, do you know this morning where the Satan's wanting to do a work? Right here, right now. Listen, there was a cold spirit in the synagogue. There was a satanic spirit there. But I'm glad Jesus did not let the cold spirit keep him from coming and finding this man. 
I don't know about you, but there's been times I came to church with a bad spirit. Amen. Didn't come. You say, are you kidding me? I'm not. Again, I'm telling you, I'm not one of them perfect ones. But brother, brother Aaron, but some of those times I came just to come. Because what was, I, I, I mean, because I didn't want to lie and say I was sick when I want, because then I might really get sick and die, and I'd really rather not die right now. And I did, you know, and I just come to come. Some of those times is when he's come and he's done the most help good to me. And that to me, that just shows the mercy of God, the grace of God. He came again despite the cold spirit. He, listen, he found him in the synagogue despite the fact they were corrupting the scriptures there. Mark 7, 9 says, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. And I'm going to say, I really don't care what the traditions are. I care what the truth is. Amen. And listen to me, it's, it's high time. We quit getting hair-lipped over every little thing. But listen, we've always done. Listen, I mean hey, listen, what's the Bible say? There's churches right now hanging by a thread over tradition instead of truth. Now we might go down, but I hope we go down over the truth and not tradition. And this is what they say. Well, people just can't handle it no more. Well, they can't handle man-made doctrines. You see, people aren't as dumb as people want them to think. And listen to me, I, I, you can preach as hard as you want and as straight as you want, but I don't care. I don't, you, listen, I don't give a rip about, I don't give a rip about what you think I should do or should not do. I want to know what God says. What's the Bible say? What thus saith the Lord, but Jesus come. They were corrupting the scriptures. And despite the fact there were some conspiring skeptics there, Jesus did not let the ones who hated him keep him from coming. The fault finders didn't keep him from coming. He found him despite the carnal sinners. Verse 5, it says they had hard hearts there. But Jesus come anyway. What I'm saying is we're not talking about a spirit-filled New Testament church. We're talking about a synagogue that was full of the devil, was full of false doctrine, was full of a cold spirit. But Jesus said it's worth going because there's one there that needs me. He found him despite his critical sickness. This man had something really wrong with him. Did you know the reason Jesus comes to church is because of what's wrong with us? And we'll say this and we're going to finish. I got one more thing to say. But Drew, if Jesus did not let, if Jesus did not let the cold spirit, if Jesus did not let the corruptness, if Jesus did not let the conspiring skeptics, if Jesus did not let carnal sinners, if Jesus did not let the critical sickness keep him from going to the synagogue, why should we let anything keep us from coming to the house of God? You see, this morning, I promise you, the very best church you can find, the very best church you can find, with the very best preacher and the very best people, and everything, I promise you, you're going to find a little bit of this there if you stay long enough. There'll be a critic in the crowd. It don't matter. It don't matter how good the service is. There'll be something that somebody can complain about. It doesn't matter how good the message is. It doesn't matter how many people get saved. There's going to be somebody there that's there with the wrong motive. And what I'm saying is we're not here. Listen, the reason we come is because Jesus is here and he can help us with our problems. Amen. The religion had failed him. The Redeemer found him. 
Quickly, in verse 3 down through verse 6, we see the remedy that fixed him. Verse 3, it says, he said, the man stand forth. Verse 4, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? This is how stupid they're, and they, they were, this is how, sorry, I just shouldn't say stupid. This is how ignorant their traditions were. Jesus said, are you telling me that it's against your laws for me to do good on the Sabbath day? Their laws that they made up was this. If I saw my son drowning on the Sabbath, I had to let him drown. So it's better to kill than to save life. If you saw your neighbor's house on fire, you just got to let it burn. I mean, because, hey, you can't work on the Sabbath. Jesus said, your traditions have, have corrupted the truth. He said, you're, and, and listen, the Bible says they held their peace. They couldn't argue with them. Listen, do you see how ignorant that is? And we need to, we need to be careful when, we, when, when, when it comes to our, our own convictions and things of that nature to make sure that they don't conflict and con contradict the Word of God. But Jesus gave him a remedy. The first thing was there was a speaking out. The Bible said he saith unto the man, which had the withered hand stand forth. There was a speaking out. Jesus spoke up. Amen. Jesus spoke to this man personally and powerfully. And this morning, the only way we can, the remedy this morning is not to, the remedy this morning is not to do better and do more and try harder and try more and turn over a new leaf. That's failed you every time. And it's going to fail you again and again and again. Reformation is not the answer. You understand? Reformation is not the answer. It took Jesus speaking to him for his life to be changed. He needed to hear from him. So do we today. There was a call. But anyway, there's a standing out. The Bible says he said, stand forth. And another, in Luke, he says, rise up and stand forth. If you want to be helped this morning, you can't just hide amongst the crowd and try to blend in and act like everything's okay. Jesus said, hey, buddy, with a crippled hand, I know you're embarrassed about it, but if you want to get help, if you want to get help, you can't just stay where you are. You're going to have to stand forth. You're going to have to come forth from among these bunch of heathens that are in this place. He said, you're going to have to come out. You're going to have to stand up and come forth. He says, listen, you've got to, listen, Jesus put the ball in his court. Right. You want to be healed? He said, stand forth. We want, listen, most of us want to stay where we are and receive the blessings that we need. But this man had to come out of the crowd and be willing to be seen by all. By standing forth from them, all the eyes turned to him. And I believe he still had his hand hidden in his coat. He was, this is my preacher, Brother Willard, his brother, Brother Edgar, when he was a baby, he had it, they give him a, a shot, a back, I think it was polio or something, and it, and it caused him to have some type of a stroke when he was just a little baby and it crippled his hand, and his hand, his hand looked like that, and when he had preached, he'd pull his coat down, and he, he, he'd always get this sleeve longer there, and his coat would come over his hand, and, and this, this is, I remember this when I was just a little, he'd preach, and all you'd see was that hand, but when he got full, you know what I'm talking about, and when he got that, He'd come out and he, he wouldn't even be thinking about that hand. But what I'm saying is this man, he was ashamed of that. He was embarrassed by that. And let me tell you, I'm not proud of my problems either, are you? I'm not proud of my mistakes. I'm not proud of the things that are wrong in my life. But acting like they're not there will not help them ever to change. Right. There was a stretching. 
There was a speaking out, a standing out, then there was a stretching out. He says, Jesus said, verse, verse number five, stretch forth thine hand. Stretch forth thine hand. Quit hiding your hand, son. That's what he's telling him. And that man, now listen, he couldn't stretch forth his hand. It was paralyzed, remember? It was withered. There was no feeling in it. So when he drew, when he brought that hand from underneath his coat, and at the moment he went to extend it, it was healed. It was healed. That's faith. You understand? It was faith. That was faith. And here's what we want to do. Well, I, 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 listen, I just don't believe it's going to work. I just don't believe it's going to I mean, look, I've, done, I've been trying for so long. And Jesus said, stretch forth the hand. And the Bible says he stretched forth his hand. And listen, I don't know about your life, but I, in my life, Listen, in my life, I was raised in church my whole life. I mean, my whole life. I mean, listen, raised underneath. Listen, I mean, my parents are a lot harder on me than I am on mine, despite what they try to say. They're going to listen to this. And they, listen, we, hey, we didn't have no goldfish. We didn't have no high seas. We didn't have no matchbox cars. We didn't have no crayons. We had a daddy with a belt. And listen, he would throw me over his shoulder. He'll deny this, and that's fine. He's getting older now. He's starting to lose his mind, so y'all pray for him. But, but he would literally grab me by my leg. I can remember him having me over his back with, with one hand on my foot. Jared, you keep on. I'm going to take you out like that. And, and y'all want a demonstration? Let me show you what he said. Come here, Jared. Come here, Jared. But... And he would, we, we called it the rain dance. He would whip us and we'd go around and around. But listen, I can remember from, from the, the earliest days of my life hearing the gospel. But I was lost, you understand, lost. And I got older and I was lost and older. And I can remember as a 16-year-old boy that night, what did I do? I stretched forth my hand and he saved me. And he saved me. Hiding your hand's not going to help you. You've got to bring it out and say, God save me and he'll save you. There was a straightening out. It says his hand was restored as the other. Once Jesus got done, you couldn't tell his right hand from his left. It was completely made whole. And you see, this morning... The problem with self-reformation is this. And I'm not against anybody trying to do better. You understand? And trying to make themselves better. But when we try to reform ourselves, Brother Mike, we might get one area straightened out. But while we're giving all the attention to that area, we're neglecting another area. Am I, am I, anybody else? Anybody care? You understand? Have you ever been there? You get one thing. Boy, you get it straightened out and everything. And then all of a sudden you turn around. Man, now i got this to deal with. And the problem with self-reformation is this. No matter how good a job you do, you're always going to miss something. But when this man, when Jesus was done, you could look at his left hand and his right hand and you could tell no difference. To restore means to make it just as it was. And this morning, the only hope for anyone, for the lost, is for you to stretch forth your hand. And he can make it whole. And for those that are saved, and now your hand, maybe somebody's hurt you. Has somebody done you wrong? Has somebody criticized you? Somebody maybe has injured you in some way. Maybe it was a church. Maybe it was a preacher. 
Amen. Maybe it was a preacher. I, I'm the first one to tell you. Preachers make mistakes too all the time. I mean, ask my wife. She'll tell you all about it. But I mean, I make mistakes. I do things that aren't right. And I've hurt people. And Brother Larry, I'm going to be honest with you. I can say this with a clear conscience before God. 20 years, I've never gone to the pulpit wanting to cause somebody hurt and pain. Not wanting to. But unintentionally, I have. And that's hard. It's hard some, when somebody's mad at you and you really don't even know what you did. You know what I'm saying? That's hard. But this morning, if you'll just have enough faith in the Lord to stretch forth thy hand, then guess what? You can worship again. Amen. You, can, you can work again. You can go to war again. Amen. Listen, if there's ever been a time the church needs all hands on deck, it's right now. Amen. All hands on deck. Get it? Withered hand. That, that kind of goes with the message. All hands on deck. Christy thought it was funny. But we need every person in this room that's saved right now to have a sword. Right. Everybody. Right. You understand what I'm saying? If they come marching down this road, look, my boy's going to have a 22 rifle in his hand. Amen. And he can shoot it, I promise you. Macy, I don't know about you, baby. We'll give you a slingshot or something wherever you are. <laughs> Georgia, all she needs is a switchblade. And she can handle at least 100 of them. Look, look. She's raising her hand. You understand what I'm saying? We're go, everybody's going to have. We're going to arm. Everybody's going to have a weapon. And this morning, do you understand? Hell is marching down the streets of this world. It's coming for our families, our children, our homes, our churches. And listen, we need to quit being so upset about how we got our hand withered, and start realizing that we need to get it fixed. Amen. Get it fixed.